Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are they whose sin the Lord does not count against them. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Almighty and merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed what we have devised and desired in our hearts. We have offended you and sinned against your holy law. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we have not done those things that we should have done. Have mercy on us, Lord. Spare us, forgive us, and restore us, according to your promises in Christ Jesus. God, our merciful Father, has forgiven all our sins. He sent his only Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and Savior. Jesus paid the penalty for our guilt by his death on the cross and freed us from death by his resurrection from the grave. We have peace with God now and forever. Amen. Amen. We sing the verses of the hymn.
be with you. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, you are the good shepherd who laid down your life for the sheep. Lead us now to the still waters of your life-giving word, that we may abide in your Father's house forevermore. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. First lesson from Ezekiel chapter 34. How can Jesus be the good shepherd? Well, look at what he promises to do for the sheep here. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forests in safety. I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of the, their yoke and rescue them from their, the hands of those who enslaved them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the Sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Sovereign Lord. The word of the Lord. Continue with the anthem.
second lesson this morning from Revelation chapter 7. Look what our good shepherd does for us and what the promise is for the sheep. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks, and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord. Please stand. The sermon today is based on these words from John chapter 10. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. <coughs> Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Please be seated for hymn 552.
grace and mercy and peace, they're yours. From God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our Good Shepherd, fellow believers in Him. How would your former supervisor describe you? <coughs> How much of your past success would you attribute to luck? On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being smart and 10 being hardworking, where would you fall in that spectrum and why? If you were the CEO of the company, what two things would you change and why? Oh, those are gotcha questions. And if you've ever sat through an interview, maybe you've even had to answer a number of those. The thing is, with an interview, you try to anticipate some of those questions. The harder or hardest gotcha questions, I think, are when they come from a journalist. You don't see them coming. And the whole purpose of a gotcha question is to try and trap you. It's to try and snare you, to say something damaging to your cause, to your character, to your integrity, and to your reputation. To set up a gotcha question, the setting is critically important. Did you notice the setting from John chapter 10? It called it the Feast of Dedication. Maybe you know what that is, maybe you don't. The Feast of Dedication is known by another name. It's called Hanukkah. Hanukkah is not found in the Old Testament. That's because it happened in the year 164 B.C. The temple had been ransacked by outsiders and defiled. They did some disgusting things to the temple. And so in 164 B.C., the Jews recaptured the temple and rededicated it to the Lord and to the purposes for which the Lord gave it. And so it was a wonderful holiday for the Jews. The setting is in Solomon's colonnade. That's a portion of the temple area that stretched all the way back to King Solomon's time. So this area hadn't been demolished. It was pillared, it had a roof over it. So we're told Jesus is walking there. It's cold. It's mid-December is when Hanukkah was. So he's likely just trying to keep warm. It's a historic time and it's a historic area of the temple. And in the midst of all of these things, this happens. The Jews who are there gathered around him. Maybe that sounds kind of simple. Maybe the NIV, when you read that on your own, maybe it just sounds pretty basic. But it's anything but. This is not like a bonfire. This is not some nice little gathering. The Greek word here is, they encircled him. A crowd of Jews come up to Jesus and completely encircle him when he's walking in the temple area. And we don't even know if the disciples are with him. It's possible they were, it's possible they weren't. But the fact that you don't hear about them tells us the disciples don't factor into this whatsoever. If they were there, they stayed quiet. And if Jesus is on his own, this is sheer intimidation. They are out to pressure him. They are out to put him on the spot. They are out to get him when he's away from the crowds. His support system from their perspective. The predators are out for the prey. And they smell meat can be on the menu. Sheep meat. And here's what they tell him. They put to him this question. 
How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. That's a gotcha question. If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. It expects a yes or a no answer. Clearly, Jesus can't say no because that would be a lie. He is the Messiah. The problem is, if he says yes, it doesn't prove anything. Any other imposter would also say yes to that question. So in and of itself, just saying yes doesn't prove that he truly is the Messiah. On top of it, if he answers yes to this question, it's not like the crowds around him are suddenly going to shift from not believing him to believing. If anything, what they're going to jump to, they're going to jump to the nearest pile of stones and they're going to pick them up and they're going to throw them at Jesus because they're going to accuse him of blasphemy, of taking away glory that was rightfully due God because they don't believe him. This is a critical time. And the pressure's on. So here we are. Today is not Hanukkah, but today's a celebration, isn't it? Today's Mother's Day. A tremendous day around the country, isn't it? Day to thank God for the moms that God gave us. And so what happens on Mother's Day typically? Usually the crowds swell because they want to honor mom. And where do you find godly moms and godly dads? You find them walking in Solomon's colonnade. You find them in the house of the Lord, which stretches all the way back, if you will, to the time of Jesus. That's what this is about. And so typically on Mother's Day, the crowd in church swells. And as you've come here to the house of the Lord to walk in Solomon's colonnade, this is Good Shepherd Sunday. The day we thank Jesus for his leadership and where he's steering us, for his protection from all enemies to body and soul, and for the way he protects us and provides for us and takes care of us on earth and even to eternal pastures. Is that what you came here for today? Or were your motives a little different? Did you come here already with a predetermined notion in your heart, just like the crowds back in Jesus' day? Just to surround Jesus and to pelt him with questions, to put him on the spot, to really put him to the test on whether he really is the one he claims to be? It's easy for any one of us to do that and not to listen to him. It's not just something they were doing back then. It's easy for any person today. I can prove it. There's, a, there's an article that came out recently from the Journal of Neuroscience. They studied child development from little children all the way into their teenage years. And as they were testing this, they had their nodes on the, on the children's heads or brain or whatever to test these things. <clears throat> when mom would speak to their children, the brains of the kid would light up because they loved to hear the voice of mom. Something changes around 13 years old though, according to this study. To where, as they were testing this, and mom would talk to the 13-year-old, 
nothing would light up. And that was the title of the article, Teens Learn to Tune Out Their Parents. But do you know what their brains light up for? The voice of any stranger. Their brains light up at any unknown voice. Incredible. Actually, it's not just teenagers. Spiritually speaking, this is what hearts and minds do. Where people are willing to listen to any garbage and unknown voices out there in the world... And we have this innate ability to tune out the voice of God. And this is not a big theological term that Jesus uses to identify this. Do you know what he calls it? It's just called unbelief. And he calls the crowd on it. It says, I did tell you. This is the way Jesus answered the question. It's fascinating. He didn't say no, he couldn't. And he didn't say yes, It wouldn't have been what they needed to hear, but he does say, I did tell you how, but you do not believe. Jesus' divine identity was visible in every single miracle that he did. It was visible in every single minute that he preached and taught to the crowds and brought to them the word of God. It was present with every promise that he fulfilled from the Old Testament. There it was on full display. The real gotcha question of today's lesson is, why didn't they believe it? In the person of Jesus Christ is visible and evident the heart of God who planned out the salvation of the world, every single sinner, and brought Jesus into the world exactly as he promised. And there they stubbornly rejected it and stood against him and ignored the voice of their good shepherd. I want to be careful we're not taking just pot shots. So far we're just describing the lesson. But again, this is so easy for us to do. And if you look at our history, we've been there, haven't we? What messes of our own making haven't we gotten into because we ignored the wisdom of our godly mothers and fathers who shared with us the word of God and we said, no, we know better. And we went our own way. What danger haven't we put our own bodies and souls in because we thought we knew better than God and we fell prey to the pressures of the crowds and we went with the voices of the world that we thought were so much better and we let God's voice become mundane and boring to us. I know we started the sermon today with how would your uh, former employer describe you But how would God describe you? How would God describe the way you read his book? Are you listening to his voice? I know abortion is the hot issue right now in our country and across our country, and rightly so. It should never be a back burner issue. What a disgusting thing for how many years we've been killing children. It's a terrible thing. And it should be a front burner issue. This is, this is something important, though. Please understand, biblically speaking, if anybody has ever done something like that, and they turn to this scripture, to this book, to this good shepherd, 
even that can be forgiven and is forgiven in Jesus Christ. Moses was a murderer. David was a murderer. The Apostle Paul, in a sense, was a murderer. Even that can be forgiven. But when somebody aborts their spiritual life in unbelief and rejects the voice of their good shepherd, there is no recourse. What is left for that person? It's a big danger. Which is exactly why the good shepherd in today's lesson doesn't run scared from the crowds even when they surround him. He doesn't cower in the presence of opposition. Instead, he stands his ground. And he persists, even under hostility and pressure, to bring wandering sheep and straying sheep. The good news, the gospel of forgiveness, the purpose for which he came, that he might steer them in repentance to turn and trust him. This is what one of his sheep looks like. He says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. The sheep that belong to Jesus, they trust him. The sheep that belong to Jesus, they follow him. The sheep that belong to Jesus, they listen to not just how his voice sounds, they listen to what he's saying. They listen to the content and they love it. And do you know what will never happen to them? They will never go to hell. Scripturally speaking, that is so foreign that will never ever happen. And you have Jesus' own promise on it. They will never perish. Because the Father and his Son Jesus Christ who came into the world have salvation completely wrapped up in hand. He came to die. He came to pay for sin. He came to rise from the dead. And he did. I watched something on TV last week about the Amazon rainforest. In, in the rainforest, there's something called a howler monkey. And there's a hunting season for these monkeys. In the indigenous tribes to the rainforest, there's a hunting season where they're able to hunt those. And so in this episode, it was the very beginning of hunting season, and this group, this tribe, was not expecting to come across one, but there it was, up in the tree, and they were able to shoot it with a bow and arrow. And they didn't, because they didn't have the right poison on them. Well, wh why wouldn't they just shoot the monkey? Because the howler monkey, when it's hanging on a branch, if they shoot it and kill it with an arrow... Even in death, it will still cling to that branch and will not let go. And so the meat of the monkey will sit up there in the tree and will rot. With the poison, with the right poison, it will let go of the branch and fall to the ground. Do you see what Jesus is saying in this lesson? There is no power. There is no weapon. There is no poison Satan has that can pry open the almighty grip of God the Father or God the Son. There is no power he has to undo what Jesus did on the cross when he paid for sin. There is no weapon Satan has to undo the death Jesus did. 
There is no poison he has to undo the power of the resurrection and the grip God has on the forgiveness of sins for sinners like you and me. That's gotcha. God's gotcha. And through faith in Jesus, that's what we cling to. That's what we're holding to, the Almighty God who will never let us go. And so when Jesus takes a stand on this gospel against the crowds, or even today, he's not coming at us. He's not against us. He just wants us to see that he is the Messiah, God's answer for us. So here's your good shepherd. The one who's got it all taken care of. For sinners. This is the one to listen to. The one to follow. The one to trust. Because Jesus really is the one who will never, ever let you go. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in our Savior Jesus. Amen. We continue with prayer. Lord Jesus, there is no question. You are the Messiah who was to come into the world. Lead us by your voice and everything you say to eternal pastures. Good Shepherd, there's no question to how wonderfully you provide for all creation. We thank you today for our mothers as well as our fathers, our jobs and our joys, food for both body and soul. Loving Savior, there's no question to your protection. Keep us safe in your salvation and mighty hand from every enemy to your kingdom and as well to our faith in you. By your might, we also ask that you would protect Dave Claps. He was hospitalized on Friday from influenza as well as dehydration. Please, Lord, watch over him and restore his health and lead him back to his family. We pray these things in your name as we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stay our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always.